I'm Nicola Dean and this is Safeguarding Matters with the Ancraft Trust. The Safeguarding Adults in Sport Framework is an audit tool. It's designed to enable sports organisations to have their safeguarding policy and practices professionally assessed against a national safeguarding standards framework. We're really hoping to establish and promote best practice and to support continual development within sports organisations. Hello, I'm Nicola Dean of the Ancraft Trust. I'm here today at the launch of the Safeguarding Adults in Sport Framework. We've had a lovely lunch. We've had a discussion about um, where we think we could go with the framework. And I've managed to corner three people who have volunteered to talk about their experience of being part of the pilot of the Safeguarding Adults in Sport Framework. So I'll leave them to introduce themselves and then we'll start to talk about what they've found, how they've found the process. Hello, I'm Nicola from Kent Sport. I'm Damien from North Yorkshire Sport. And I'm Robin from North Yorkshire Sport. Welcome everybody, thank you. So I really wanted you to talk about what was your first experience of the Safeguarding Adults in Sport framework? We sent it off to you, you signed up and said you'd help us to pilot it. What were your very first thoughts about it? Not going to lie, I was a bit daunted at first Nicola. Um, I opened the portal up, had a look and there seemed like there was quite a lot of content there. But once I started to actually dig a bit deeper into it, it was far more manageable than I uh, first thought. Mm -hmm. uh, very similar. I think the thing that, that sort of struck me was as soon as I'd opened it, I then realised the sort of time frame in which I was doing it. But after my initial panic, uh, and I realised actually a lot of the stuff we already had, a lot of the stuff we're already doing, it wasn't creating lots of stuff, it was just bringing it together. So that, that kind of put me at ease a little bit. Yeah, and being able to kind of share some of the workload around with a few different people really kind of helped get, get through that within the time frame. Was that sharing of Damien giving it to you then, Robin? <laughs> Was that part of the sharing? No comment. <laughs> Robin, Robin went on holiday, so the sharing was me asking him to do it, him saying he couldn't do it, and me then doing it. So that was that was how that went. <laughs> but he's managed to come to the launch. Thank you very much for that. That's all that matters. So how did you go about doing it? So you got all this criteria that you looked at, and you were thinking, we've got all this to do, it's quite a lot. How did you go about it? I, in my quite strategic and kind of plan head, I pulled the information out of the portal, so made my own little document to help me break it down further so that and then I could share it across the rest of the team at Kent Sport because I'm aware that there's parts of it that other people would have the expertise in that I might not have. So uh, to me it was important that it was a Kent Sport piece of work rather than just a Nicola piece of work. So that's how I kind of approached it, pulled it apart, looked where I could match up the pieces of evidence that I already had and where I might need to dig a bit deeper to find it. But yeah, just making sure that it was a piece of work across the team was really important to me. Uh, I, I kind of looked at the sections, pulled out one of the ones where I thought we were probably, uh, not easy to do, but we kind of had more in place. And, and when I'd done that, I think it probably took me about a day or so, I, I then thought, right, so I need to plan some time into proper timing to do this. Um, yeah, just taking it section by section, and actually even criteria by criteria, mm -hmm. I tried to just concentrate on, on I'm not flip-flopping about too much of, of concentrating on one of the criteria elements, making sure everything was there, and kind of moving on really, getting others to just sense check that weren't part of the process, did what I write make sense or not. So yeah, kind of evolved others. And did it make sense? Yeah, on the most part. Um, no, I mean, as Damien said, we, we, sat, we sat down and kind of went through everything and kind of just divvied it up, you know, I, I took certain sections and then obviously I left them to it as, <laughs> as I went swarming around the world, so, uh, yeah. I think the, the process makes sense. It, it, 
if you if you quite sort of clinical and, and, and like a start and finish point in, in work, then it, it does make sense because there's the criteria, there's the, the kind of main themes and the criteria within it, and you can systematically work through it, the, the guidance that is there in terms of what what uh, evidence you need. The, the hardest bit is the narrative. It's, it's, it's physically known how much to write in or not. I'm a bit of a blather when it comes to, to kind of typing stuff out, and I tend to overdo stuff. So that was the hardest bit really. Having it in place was fine. You, you can systematically work through the framework, and actually when you get into it. Before you realise that you, you finish a section, it wasn't something that's too laborious. You, you just need to you need to set some time to do it and be in clear headspace to do it to concentrate on it. Yep. Yeah. How did you find it, Nicola? It's finding the the evidence and making sure it's in the right section as well, because there's mm. bits that can overlap as well, and making sure that you've got it clear as to where it should go for you and your organisation because everyone's different at the end of the day and you're going to do different processes in different places so ensuring that you've got things in the right place and at the right time is good. Brilliant. Are there any tips that you would give to organisations that are going to be doing it next? Because people always want to learn from organisations such as yourself you know how long did it take is there anything else that you could say you know do this or we tried that and that didn't really work? Definitely ensure someone else reads it. Definitely, yeah, get someone to have a check of it before you send it off just to make sure that they understand what you're trying to portray. Because if you are looking at this day in, day out and this is what you do you know, at work every day, it's obvious to you, but it might not be to the person who's reading it at the end. So get someone who maybe isn't as kind of used to doing this kind of work to have a look at it and to, to make sure that it does make sense. <laughs> Thank you. I, I printed out all the criteria and kind of had them on separate bits of paper and started to use post-it notes to put which which bit of evidence we had and what could it contribute to. And actually, really quickly, our, our safeguarding adults in sport policy was evidence of, of 10 or 15 yeah. different bits of, of the criteria. So starting to map out what, what you've got and, and where it hits a criteria does flag up where there's a couple of areas that you, you might need to produce something. and. There's, there's lots of really great examples around. So there was one or two bits and pieces where we were very honest and said, it isn't in place, but we're working on a draft. So yeah, there's, there's, there's quite methodical and quite sort of systematic, but we already had a lot of stuff in place anyway, so it wasn't creating from right, from, right from scratch. And I think it leads on from that about how do you think it'll help you? Because people often ask, you know, well, what's in it for us? And we could list it all, but what would you say for yourselves? Well, I think it's, it's great to kind of share it around the team as well, not just kind of have one person have ownership of it. Because then it's a, it's a real good kind of check within your organisation to make sure all those policies that you probably do have are embedded among the team and everyone's kind of working towards those. Oh, so it sort of like reveals where your gaps are. You think you've got it in place, but yeah. maybe somebody doesn't know about it. Yeah, I mean, it's a check for the whole organisation to make sure you're hitting the criteria, but it's an internal check as well to make sure that those policies are, are kind of distilled among the team and everyone's working towards towards those. Oh, your action plan, the, the most useful bit out of it is, is the action plan because that is what you haven't got in place. That is what you need to concentrate some time and effort on, on doing. While, while it's great to go through the, the standard, and again, great to, to be able to say to, to you guys and to anyone else, we've got these things in place. We were very honest about what we didn't have or where we weren't quite there with something. And actually, really quickly, that is what you need to do. That For, for, for us, for North Yorkshire Squad, that will be the next 12 months. Concentrating on the things we've said we haven't quite got in place or we need to really look and review. So that the action plan for us is, is the most useful bit there too. 
definitely. And it's great to have an idea of what we should be doing and what good would look like for active partnerships. It's something that, you know, across the work that we, we do as organisations is, is coming up as a common theme within Quest and everything else that we're doing is we want to know where we should be and this is exactly what we need for safeguarding adults so we know what we need to be doing. So what would you say to other active partnerships who are thinking about taking part? Because it's not, I mean, you don't have to do it, do you? At the minute, it's a voluntary thing, so... I would, I would probably, you need to do it, do it because it's the right thing to do, not because someone's leaning on you to do it or because you've been forced to do it. It's the right thing to do, and actually, it's a very good tool to look at what you have got in place, but as I said earlier, the things you've not got. If you genuinely want to keep adults safe in sport, who wouldn't want to do that, given our organisations and who we are? If you if you want to do that and firmly believe it, it's a tool that can help you. It's not something that you're going to be you know stick to, to bash you with. It's a it's a genuine improvement tool. And if you look at it that way and give yourself the time it deserves, then then I think you'll be fine with it. Yeah, and the useful bit isn't knowing what you're already good at. It's what you could be doing better, and that's where we need to be striving towards and what we need to be looking at in the future and putting into our action plans and making happen. Yeah, a lot of the time you just don't, you don't know what you don't know. So if you kind of, you're doing things the way you're doing, you may kind of think, oh, swimming along, but without that action plan, like we've said, um, you're not going to improve, and, you know, create that safe environment for adults. So what's the next step for your organisations? What's Kent Sport, what's North Yorkshire Sport going to be doing next? What is your action plan? is ensuring that it's built in across the whole uh, organisation now so taking it back finding out who can help in different areas and where we need to embed this across the whole organisation great we'll be sharing the action plan with our core staff team and our trustees as well because it's you know for us it's important that our, our board of trustees are as on board with this area of work as we are so by sharing the action plan we're being very honest and an, and a, an honest appraisal of where we're at so we'll use it for sharing it with the trustees i then have to do it you know there's, there's a, there is that as well of if you, the more people you tell the more you share it with others the more you kind of have to get on and get it done so yeah that's how we're using it yeah Fantastic. Well, thanks very much for talking to us. I'm sure um, if anybody's got any questions from um, Active Partnerships, they're going to be coming to you three. <laughs> now that you are the experts in um, safeguarding adults in sport. No, well, thanks very much. And now I'm with... I'm Emma Gibson, Ethics and Compliance Manager for Badminton England. Hello, Emma. Thanks for agreeing to take part in the podcast. Um, can you tell us a bit about your background in safeguarding adults? Because I think you were one of the pioneers, really, of looking at safeguarding adults in sport. Oh, thank thanks for that. Um, I've always been really passionate about safeguarding adults and including adults in sport. And I suppose my personal interest goes back 10 years or so probably through uh, personal experience, younger brother with a learning disability and looking at kind of issues he faced mm. at a really local level. A lot of his sport and everything that he did was actually with the family because that was the safer option, to be fair. And even for him now, it's only kind of in later in life that he actually does, attends activities with more organised groups, maybe because they're better set up for him and also he's more confident and also we as a family are more confident as well. Um, but I just feel, I mean, I've worked, a couple, I've changed jobs actually a couple of times in my interest in safeguarding adults, working at the time with English Federation of Disability Sport, then with Netball and um, now with Badminton. But, you know, in, uh, Netball and Badminton obviously include a lot of adults in their sports 
there's a lot of programs, mental health programs, lots of inclusion programs, and we all need to consider safeguarding adults. Yeah. So, um, how are you involved with safeguarding adults in sport? What? And I say that you're one of the pioneers, but what have you done? Because you've done quite a lot. Um, well, I suppose in the early days, what we were doing was trying to bring interested partners together to just talk about the safeguarding adults agenda. And in the early days, that was Department of Health and various other um, organisations, lots of NGBs, county sport partnerships as they were then, and interested organisations. I mean, actually, the lady that helped me kind of set up the initial working group was from GB Group Online Disclosures, so a DBS checking company. And that's kind of where a lot of the discussion started because we realised that people were making applications for DBS checks for safeguarding children but actually nobody was picking up safeguarding adults and, and what did that mean so that's where a lot of the early um, conversations came about um, and now obviously we've got you guys we've got active sports um, safeguarding adults in sport managers we've got funding so we've got much more targeted work with national governing bodies and active partnerships and I remain with my interest on the steering group and on the management group for those posts yeah thanks very much Honestly, for all the work that you do for us. Um, what difference do you think the Safeguarding Adults in Sport framework will make? I'm really excited about the framework because I think even, you know, all those years ago, we, we would kind of look at ideas about how you could... It's kind of measuring people, giving them a benchmark, sharing good practice, giving people stuff there to actually pick up and say, will that work in my sport? Will that work in my active partnership? And I think we just need to share lots mm. of this information. We do it really well in safeguarding children. I mean, that's my main area mm. of, of work now is safeguarding children. And we do it so well. We share everything, you know, have you got a template for this? Has anyone managed this situation? How did you recruit this person? Have you got a job description? And these are all things that we can get to the same point for safeguarding adults. And um, this framework is just gonna enable us to do that. We've grouped all the criteria, if you wanna call it that, in all the different areas areas that we know we need for safeguarding children we know we need them for safeguarding adults and it's it's really really exciting it is isn't it from the care act 2014 from doing the no steering secrets. group no secrets, no secrets. Yeah. yeah 2000 all the guidance yeah i think sport are really grabbing it and and taking on board safeguarding adults um where would oh, where would you like to see us in 10 years time uh i'd like to I th I'd like to know that all the national governing bodies and the active partnerships are really engaged with it and that we're all saying the same thing. I'd like to, I guess, we could roll out further to charities and, you know, s specific charities. I just would like to think that when people talk about safeguarding, you might then follow add a follow-up question, do you mean adults or children or do you mean everyone? Duty of care, um, you know, the wider welfare agenda, because still now in sport, when you say safeguarding, people think it's children. Yeah, they do. I think we're trying to break down that barrier, but yeah, we do. Oh, thanks very much, Emma, for taking part today. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. And now I'm talking to... Alison Howard, a Chief Executive Officer of Rounders England. Hi, Alison. Hi, Nicola. <laughs> thanks for taking part in the pilot and thanks for coming to the launch as well. And I think you've got a few things that you wanted to say about your commitment to safeguarding adults. Absolutely, yeah. So Rounders England is committed to safeguarding the people who play Rounders, both adults and children. And with a growing, growing adult participation, we recognise how important it is uh, to equip our welfare officers with the correct tools to be able mm -hmm. to deal with situations that might arise and give Rounders ex players the best experience. Um, so 
the support that the Ancraft Trust has given us has been invaluable um, in en enabling us to achieve the minimum standards and also um, to uh, equip our people to deal with safeguarding properly. So you've been outstanding. Thank you. Oh, thank you. So do you think the framework, so the framework's helped you taking part in the pilot? Absolutely, yes. How has it helped? It's helped to give us a greater understanding of the resources um, and support that we need to be able to give the best experience possible to our people and to equip them to deal with any issues that might arise. Yeah, you've got real commitment to safeguarding adults, haven't you? We have, yeah, absolutely, because uh, although Rounders is very much a school sport, the um, majority of teams, adult teams who play rounders are made up of women who view rounders as an escape from their family. So often there are not many children um, involved. So we find that safeguarding children is not uh, particularly high on the priority, but it's a real opportunity to safeguard adults because you never quite know what's going to happen when you've got a group of women together coming to play rounders on a yeah. Wednesday night. Um, and, um, and one of them could just open up to you about something that's happening to them at the time, and you need to be able to deal with that properly. So you see safeguarding in its broadest terms, really, with its welfare issues um, that maybe don't even go into the local authority? Yes, absolutely. Yes, this is just a group of women who get together and things might get disclosed in, 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 in the fun and social environment that you've got. And, and we need to make sure that we equip our welfare officers to deal with that properly. Oh, excellent. Well, thanks very much, Alison. Um, how, I know we spoke a bit earlier about how you might um, help act as well. So you were going to try and help us get the word out about safeguarding adults. Yes. Um, so being Chief Executive Officer of a national governing body, I attend the um, Chief Executive Officer Forum on a regular basis. And I think I can use that as a, a, a forum for getting the standards out there, getting getting chief execs to recognize act and to know what you do because sometimes i think it's very easy for safeguarding to sit with the safeguarding lead and not get any higher up the food chain so uh, all that i can do to raise awareness at chief exec level i will do for you oh thank you very much Alison. thank you for listening if you want to know more about our work check out our website ancrafttrust.org and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ancraft Trust. <laughs>